It's time to get the latest from the quarterback of the pack, Aaron Rodgers. It's Tuesdays with Aaron. Here's your host, Jason Wilde. I'm sorry. This is the Aaron Rodgers show, but we uh, there's so many things that we have to get to, but we can't. We have to start here. I don't usually check the photo bombing work that you do on the captain's photo every week. I know there's a site devoted to it. Is there? But bravo on this week's. Uh, inspired by when you got poked in the eye and we talked about eye patches, or what happened exactly? I got to give you know I got to give credit where credit is due here. You always do, Don Raditz, Mister Headset, yeah, sound guy. Uh, I was alerted that he had some props this week. That's why, to me, it's just amazing. I mean, you think about things that kind of start as a joke and then how far they go uh, and how far is too far. Obviously, in this case, I love it. But, uh, you know, if when Don Raditz is, is bringing props for me to use for the uh, the, the pregame photo bomb, you got to love it. So Don had, the, uh, he had a bunch of stuff, but it was, you know, about five seconds, I tried to grab a couple of the eye patches and give one to Graham, and uh, and put it on real quick, and uh, it it uh, it was it was pretty good. Now you don't usually have props available. Like I think I've seen you do like cups. We have, yeah, we've but done a few not... props. A okay. Couple props. What else has made it in? We did the uh, like those things that you blow into for parties. The the. Yeah, they make the noise like a, like or whatever, the like the. Yeah, like, okay. I can't How make the right noise. Yeah. Uh, for like New Year's. We did those on the New Year's. Yeah, yeah. for the, we did it okay. for the New Year's game, I believe. But. Uh, well, well done. That was. You know, it's good stuff. because if you don't win, then then you don't get to see the photos. The captains don't get their their really? official photos. Yeah, it's only I didn't for know the wins. That. Yeah. So have there been any that were really good, but then you lost the game? There's been a bunch. Seen? There's been a bunch. I can't list them off because I can't remember. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, there's been a bunch. Well, we've got a few uh, Halloween themed questions that have come up from the Ask Aaron hashtag. But don't read any of Josh Sittens. I heard he 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 said he was putting a bunch out. You're on you're on top of things. You may not use your Twitter. uh, I don't. Not during the season, but well, I may use it anyway. Um, The question I was going to ask you to start the show this week was going to be, have you heard from that Cal professor yet? Because now folks who listen to the show every week know that you told the story of the F you got on your paper and food appreciation and me never to miss an opportunity to take a story national uh, pointed out that it had made it onto a variety of much higher profile sites than ESPNWisconsin.com. Have you heard from uh, anyone at Berkeley? About I have not. Story? No, I haven't heard from any of... Uh... Any of the coaches there? I mean, they're they're uh, they're busy. They're struggling a little bit. Yeah, but haven't uh, haven't heard from any of my uh, old academic advisors or really any of my teammates. So you're uh, you're a smart enough guy to you know what her name is, right? I mean, you Cal's doing Cal. a lot of censorship, I think, out there. They don't <laughs> want they don't want any any more negativity associated with the school. I would think that you're a pretty good representative of their institution. I like to think so occasionally. Not having graduated, they get mad when I say Butte College, like on the. Uh, Sunday night football now. Yeah, you did I, just, I wanted to, I wanted to give. I said Cal for a number of years. I said Butte College at some point. I'd like to say Pleasant Valley High School. Right. I went to high school in Chico. Um, it's nothing personal against Cal, but when I said Butte College, you would have thought that, you know, I said something, the worst thing possible about Cal. I said, well, Butte College was important to me. I was there for one year. Was it Cal for two? You actually got some blowback for it. I did. I mean, when you do, when you play as many Sunday night games, you got two more left this year, right? I mean, I don't know if there's any harm in changing it up a little. You bit. You can't though. It's just, they just do it once a year, so they use it for. Oh, really? A year. Sometimes oh, I didn't you use know it for that. multiple years. Yeah. Oh, so that it, Butte College could. I don't know what's said right now. I don't know if it was Cal or if it was Butte College. Okay. All right. Well, it it brought up a question, and I have the same credit where credit is due. Policy. Uh, and one of our fans of the program asked it's Shane, he said, what What would you say are the top five things that created the chip on your shoulder? So if you had to rank some of the things that you still hold, what would they be? I assume the, the rejection letter from the Purdue assistant has to be in there, right? 
I kind of lumped that all together with uh, just not not being recruited in high school. I kind of lumped that all together. Okay. Uh, I, th- I think I'm going to reserve. I'm just going to use the things that I've actually said. I think I'm going to reserve the right to over the next to amount of years to withhold some. So you've I, got some that you're not going to tell us. I mean, I held that uh, that Cal one. That was in 2000 and gosh, what was it? 2003. Yeah. Although sources say you've told that story before, on the debut of the Aaron Rodgers show when you were in studio in Milwaukee. Yeah, have hinted at it, but not in not in depth I didn't like you depth. did. Yeah, I didn't get any. Yeah. yeah. All right, so she's on the list, and she's in that group of. Yeah, but I kind of lump her in the list of of the naysayers of the okay people that told me I was too short or too slow or not athletic enough um, from high school on up. Okay. Um, yeah, and then there's some others that I'll just kind of keep to myself. Well, we'll have to tune in. Keep tuning into the program. Um, Cliffhangers. Yes, exactly. It's like a soap opera. By the way, I just want to say your outfit today is awful. Thank you. Thanks awful. for noticing. The shorts are of proper length. Though. Short black with red stripe. They've got a certain stupid S for academic Stanford on the front. You got and your Cal sweatpants. I do. This is, and I got a Cal shirt on as well from the Inside Bowl 2003. That was so. a good game for you. Yeah, it was all right. What kind of shape is that shirt in at this point? Great, great yeah, shape. Only it. bring it out at special occasions. Like doing the radio show. Yep. Okay. Um, speaking of something else you wear, bad segue, uh, there was a little bit of a Scooby-Doo mystery going on yesterday about your helmet. Yeah. Um, which Jason Wallers, the Packers PR guy, and Jason, uh, Jonathan Butnick, also part of the Packers PR staff, brought us over to your locker to show us your helmet. Uh, it was that big of a deal during the game? Uh, well, I'll say this, and, and for folks who don't know what we're talking about, there was a shot during the game uh, where it did look like your helmet was cracked. I mean, and you couldn't see on the other side the way this decal is shaped. And I, am I allowed to admit that I sent you the picture? Is that okay with you? Yeah, and what did I say? You said you were going to go check your helmet. No, what did I say, though? What did my first thought? You said it was the decal, and you were right. But you were still no. going to go check your helmet. So yeah. you. But I so didn't. I was my, just trying to be nice. No, my follow-up to you is uh, you took a pretty good shot on, was it the se- the fumble that didn't count? Yeah. Was that the one? Um, and there were some of us who were wondering if, not that you'd been concussed, but if you were a little off. Did you feel a little off? Did you? T- I mean, it did look like it was a pretty good shot, and it maybe staggered you a bit. No, I don't think that's fair to say. I was. I'm t- I'm talking from the outside. Yeah, I would say if you use the word stagger, that would insinuate uh, some sort of mental or, or head trauma. Okay. Major brain trauma. To use the word stagger. So I'm going to use major. the word. Are you stagger? You go major brain trauma? No. Yeah. Staggered means that you're kind of your equilibrium's off. You're seeing okay. stars potentially. All right. So I'm going to say rocked. Rock. Oh, that's better. Rock to me is is that brings up like you just got rocked. Okay. You're kind of feeling it for a second, and then you get up. All right. Staggered means you kind of got up, but you're still not right. You're trying to walk it off. Which way is the bench? Which way of the huddle? So I'm going to use use rock. Okay. So when you get hit like that, and given the climate that we currently have in the National Football League, is there a moment like I go back to a story that Ryan Grant told us. Um, a couple of years ago, he ended up being diagnosed with a slight concussion or whatever they called it at the time. But he said his mistake was going down to his knee. And had he just walked it off, they would have never known, and he would have been fine. Now, this is a very slippery department here. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you ha- when you take a hit like that, does anything enter your mind of, I need to be cognizant of how I react to it? I mean, you've had concussions. Yeah, so I mean, know. I've had two concussions. So I know what that feels like. I know... The, the moments after, I know mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, am not going to put myself in in uh, in harm's way by staying in a game when I'm when I'm not uh, not healthy. Men- you know, my, when my brain is is not healthy. Head trauma. Yeah. Uh, so this was nothing like that. So I'm just going to stop you there and say that it was. A, um, I'm not going to say it was a clean hit, but it, I'm going to say it was a hit uh, to the head area and. Uh, then I'm fine. Well, let's talk about clean hits versus dirty hits because you're on the opposite side of now there's been a few calls that have gone against your teammates. There was the We talked about the Nick Perry one on Andrew Luck. There was one last week 
against the Rams where Desmond Moses was trying to take down Steven Jackson, who's no small guy, and I was a little surprised that he got the flag there. And then, obviously, Devon House trying to break up a pass to Justin. Eric Walden with the rough. Oh, the one in Seattle, another good example. Um, So how do you view those as a teammate and also an offensive player? I mean, I would think that you're able to say, okay, this is a good call, this is not from where you're sitting. I actually had a conversation with the Whitecap uh, on the field about the about the house hit, and um, yeah, I appreciated his candor at the time. I mean, he um, it wasn't his call, but so he was asking what I thought about it, and, right. and I said it didn't look like it was, uh, you know, it, it was a hit to the head, and and you know it helps when you have the replay. But I also did say that, uh, you know, I, I paraphrase, I, I preface that by saying that, you know, after I looked at the replay. You know, in in real time, uh, there looked like a collision, and I think it was Blackman, mm-hmm. and his helmet came off. So that was a, a more difficult, I think, play than the Nick Perry one. I think just because of the vicious nature of the way that um, Andrew's head kind of whipped back, right. it looked like it had to be a helmet to helmet. Although it was very clean hit, right. the Walden play was was a terrible call. I mean that didn't look like anything, but uh, but I'm going to give I'm going to give the refs the benefit of the doubt. I think you know obviously like I told Carl and his crew uh, this weekend, uh, it's great to have them back. I think uh, it's no surprise that they've been staying out of the way and letting the games play out without any major incident. Um, you don't miss a good thing till it's gone often, right. and we uh, as a um, you know group of NFL players and the fans obviously have noticed a major difference having these guys back. So it's great having them back. I give them the benefit of the doubt. They're trying to make player safety the number one um, you know, number one point of emphasis. Uh, but uh, in that situation, um, it was obviously, after the replay, not not the correct call, I don't think. You um, Do you get a feel for, I mean, we all made jokes about Jeff Triplett and his crew thanking you for that. Do you get a feel, though, that that trickled to all the officials, what you said on here? 100%. 100%. Um, I've heard it from every every crew, and uh, you get to know these guys. You know, I've played, you know, probably close to eighty starts now in the NFL and counting preseason. You get to know. I mean, I've been around the game for a while. And you get to know these guys and, and their stories and where they're from, and um, you know, I enjoy the uh, the relationships with them, and and you get to know kind of how everybody's style is. Some guys enjoy talking with you. Some guys will joke with you during the TV timeout. Some guys are all business. Some guys. Start the clock quicker than other guys. Um, some guys you can kind of have a conversation during the game about uh, about different things that uh, that may or not may or may not you know help you in case a play happens like that again, or right. tell them to look at something and they respond positively. You can jump, or or if you got to kind of jump them a little bit to get their attention. So th- that all to be said, it, it's it's great having those guys back, and um, it, it you know it's frustrating that we had to kind of be the um, like we've said before in this program, the proverbial straw that broke the the camel's back, and it was a big old honking camel that uh, that's back got broken. But uh, but we're glad to have those guys back, and and they're doing a really good job. Let me let me put you on the spot though about the officials. The last time you played a meaningful game, and we'll talk more about the Cardinals. But the last time you played them, there were a couple of things that didn't go your way. I'm wondering. I know it's not the NBA, but do you feel like you get a little more respect from them at the point you're at? Because, I mean, there were two hits in a three-play span in that game in Arizona. I mean, the face mask on the fumble and a hit to the head earlier that I believe Campbell got fined for in the wake of it that that crew missed. Do you think that that's changed at all for you, or has it changed because three years later the officials are officiating hits on quarterbacks differently, or what? I think the emphasis has gone up. Um uh, you know, there's always conspiracy theorists who, when I was growing up, you know, they always talked about how the referees, you know, ref Michael Jordan differently mm-hmm. or how, um, you know, Kobe Bryant got calls that other people didn't get and um, or how there was a bias against Shaquille O'Neal because of the way that he played. But um, as far as the NFL goes, I, I've never really bought into, um, you know, some of the guys getting other calls. Now, some, you know, defensive players would uh, – would challenge that by saying that uh, probably wouldn't I, I probably wouldn't expect my name to be listed in this conversation, but but the Bradys and the Mannings and um, 
you know, some of the guys have been around a little longer than me kind of get the benefit of the doubt more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never felt like I've gotten any uh, preferential treatment because of my status or years or that I've been, uh, you know, given, um, you know, not as much respect. I think the refs do a good job of trying to be as fair as possible. Um, but if you look back at that 09 game, yeah, there was, um, you know, a couple plays that, that maybe didn't go our way. We'll talk more about that uh in the upcoming portions of the program. I wanted to ask you about the running game because we've spent a lot of time on it. Uh, Bill Huber from Packer Report did a little bit of statistical analysis in his story this week and found that you're running the ball less than you ever have as... I'm sorry, I forget to close the door. Um, that Less than you ever have as, as a starter. As a team, you're running fewer running plays with you as the starter. And I I guess that statistic surprised me because, you know, you're seeing Alex get about 20 carries a game. Your productivity is not there. We've talked before about the importance of the runs, but how do you view the running game right now and what's your concern level with it and how is it impacting the offense? Well, I think when you get to eight games, you, you start to, whether you have an identity or not on offense, one is kind of made for you. And as we look at, uh, you know, some of the midway statistics. Um, I think I'm probably on pace to have the most attempts uh, with the most completions in my career, um, and it's pretty. You know, when I when I did look at the look at those in the last couple of days, um, you know, I did come to the, the conclusion without looking at the stats that we probably passed it more than we have in my five years as a starter. Uh, at you times, it my feel. Yeah, at times it doesn't feel like that because of the amount of uh, runs that we've had, but. Um, I think, as I've said in my locker um, on Wednesdays, quantity is important. We want to have a, a you know a certain amount of runs every game to keep them honest. But yeah, uh, I have to say that the quality of them has not been uh, anywhere where we'd like them. Um, you know, we we chart uh, explosive runs and passes, and passes are sixteen plus, and as they're listed as explosive, and runs are twelve plus, and uh, there haven't been a lot of twelve plusers this year. Right. And I think that has directly affected the uh, the lack of 16-plusers in the in the passing game. We probably have had less of that than in the past as well. Um, our yards per attempt passing the ball are obviously significantly down from last season, um, and I think a lot of that is due to the type of coverages we're, we're seeing. Teams are like Jacksonville coming in and expecting their four-man rush to get to the passer, but also their um, six- and seven-man uh, boxes to – to stop the run, and they've been doing a good job of that. So when they can do that, then they can free up guys in the secondary to play coverages and and play their too high too high coverages, and makes it a lot more difficult to to kind of hit some of those big plays. So um, that all to be said, obviously we we got to run the ball better. Um, now, if we can uh, if we can do that, then uh, then we're going to have the opportunity to make uh, make some of those play action games, make some of those. Those uh, gains in the in the big plays over the top, and then you're going to see the runs in the fourth quarter pick up. I think that's maybe the one area we haven't been effective and haven't had a bunch of is we haven't been able to close out games, run the football, and so that keeps our attempts down. And we haven't, uh, you know, we haven't been ahead, you know, maybe by two or three scores and kept first kept those drives alive at times to give us even more attempts. So we got to do a better job. In the quality part that goes along with the uh, with the quantity of runs that we get, did uh, did Jacksonville show on film a lot of two high safety? Is that what they always play? Are our teams starting to recognize, as we've talked about before on the show, that that's got to be what you try against your your offense? Ah, uh, you know they played teams they played teams differently, but there was there's more of a mix. I think um, you know Jacksonville decided to. Uh, to play a bunch of combo coverage where they're playing uh, kind of three over two to a side and two over uh, two over one to the back side a lot, which is uh, taking away some of the some of the quick game stuff we like to do, but also keeping that uh, that safety in a position to be the potential seventh or eighth guy in the box, and um, we just weren't able to run it effectively enough to affect that guy or to make them. Um, you know, go to a straight cover too, which would have made things in the passing game maybe a little bit, a uh, little bit easier with some of our reads and stuff. But um, yeah, we got to do a better job on offense. We weren't, we weren't aggressive enough. We didn't make enough plays, and we didn't uh, 
convert enough third downs to uh, give us more opportunities. So let me ask you this, because you guys don't make excuses. I prefer to make excuses as best I can. Uh, you know, is there some sort of like tough guy, no excuse rule that you can't even state the obvious when injuries are a factor? I mean, is that like forbidden in the NFL? Because here's why I ask. You, you know, you take away Benson, first of all, but you take both Jennings and Nelson, which you did last week. They're both out. It would seem to me that those are the guys that really stretch the field best for you. And if they're on the field, it changes how Cobb's able to get open or J.J.'s able to get open. And you've talked to us before about how every guy has to do his job. You know, J. Mike has to run his route this way to make a completion on the other side of the field to Jordy work correctly because he's pulling the coverage or whatever it is. So explain to me why it's ridiculous for me to wonder why your or to think that maybe your offense isn't what it is capable of being when you're missing both of those receivers. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not capable without those those guys of being maybe as dynamic. But uh, I think that we don't. We just don't like to operate with excuses uh, inside our our locker room, and and we expect that next man up mentality, uh, you know, to be. Uh, to be a calling card for us, and we've made it work many times before. Jordy and, and Greg are number one receivers. You know they're um, they're big time players. We've had great seasons for us, and we've had a lot of success. So obviously, having those two guys on the field changes the way teams play us. Um, you know, J. Mike's been seeing a lot more uh, double coverage this season, uh, especially in the wake of uh, of you know Jordy being out this last week. They uh, you know, we hit him on uh, on one uh, route over the middle uh, early in the game, and uh, the rest of the game they resigned to play. You know, kind of guy underneath and a guy over the top of him, and same thing on the backside with James. And uh, when you're doing that, it, it leaves six guys in the box, and so we try to run the football. And we're not running effectively, and there's not a whole lot of reason for the defense to change. And so that's kind of what their approach seemed to be, and we couldn't quite get them out of it. Um, when you have guys like Greg and Jordy on the field, then uh, you're going to play a different way. And when you don't, you have to adjust and be able to, to, to make that way work. And we didn't make it work. We didn't okay. run the ball effectively enough, and we didn't make enough plays, uh, myself included. So the other thing I wanted to ask about then is when you left the stadium on Sunday, how did you feel about the way you guys played? Because, you know, I think there was a portion of your very passionate fan base that were saying that it felt a, a win felt like a loss, which – you know, feels like a loss when you lose a game that you won like you did in Seattle. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy even said something to the effect of, hey, we're still, we're 5-3, and three. don't stop acting like you lost the game. But how did you feel personally when you left? I feel good about it. I feel good about where we're at. I, I feel good about the fact we're 5-3, and three, um, coming back with three straight wins, um, and looking forward to the second half of the season, knowing that... Uh, you know, if we if we just duplicate what we did in the first half, ten and six should be good enough to get in the playoffs, and anything can happen from there. But but knowing that we we put ourselves in a position after a, an adverse start to the season uh, to make a run of the playoffs, mm-hmm. and we've put ourselves in a position to to really control our own destiny here, and um, that's exciting. And not to mention that uh, you know we've we've done it uh, overcoming some some major injuries to some guys you looked at our um our list of inactives and you know in the game that's not even counting cedric but it was you know charles woodson nick perry sam shields john coon jordy nelson greg jennings that's pretty doggone good list right there of guys that weren't playing so um to to have guys step up and make plays um you know you gotta have a lot of a lot of pride in that and um there's been such a standard. I said this in my post-game interview. There, there's been such a standard of excellence and expectations set here because of this, the success that we've had and the numbers we put up. Um, people need not forget that it's difficult to win in this league, and and I think our players need not forget that you can't just uh, you know show up, put your helmet on, expect a team like Jacksonville to roll over and let you uh, do whatever you want to them. Um, we didn't have the same kind of energy if you compare it to a game like Houston, which right. is an AFC South opponent. You, we didn't have the same type of energy or focus 
um, and quick start like we did in that game, and then there's a reason that uh, it was a struggle to the end. Why, why do you think that was? Because Clay mentioned that too, and and he also said that the it seemed like the crowd was now the crowd you know reacts when you guys do something well, obviously. But he said that he kind of felt like there was that feeling all around, players, fans, everybody, and you know. Jacksonville came in one and five. They're struggling. They're trying to rebuild a program there. I mean, human nature that you're playing uh, between that and the injuries, or, or why do you think the energy wasn't quite there? I don't quite understand it, and I don't really want to make uh, make a lot of assumptions or or excuses. I, I just think that um, for whatever reason, the noon game and the opponent um, made guys maybe not as uh, not as dialed in as they usually are. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about it is that it was a Sunday noon home game, which I don't. I think that's the first one you had this year. Now you like those, right? Love them. Um, but Clay said, you know, maybe it was too early for everybody. <laughs> um, now you guys have your curfew at eleven o'clock on Saturday night and everything like that. But what's the it? What's the routine? When you when you go to the stadium for a morning game, you've had some night games. So, you know, how early are you getting up? You're over at the team hotel, right? It's just like on the road. You have to be at the team hotel. You don't get to stay at home, right? Yeah. Um. So what's your what's your routine for a home noon Sunday game? I usually wake up about seven and uh, and head home and and relax for a little bit, um, and then head over to the stadium. You know. Two and a half to three hours before the game. Uh, usually get over there about nine or okay. so, and just kind of go through my normal routine that I would, uh, you know, any 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 home game or, or any game basically. Kind of get in the hot tub or call your grandma and grandpa. I called them on the way in. Yeah, yep. call grandma and grandpa. So it was like uh, seven over in Ukiah when I called them. They were both <laughs> awake, wide awake, talking, probably having their coffee and. Um, I always enjoy talking with them before the game, uh, but I'll get over and do, go through my routine. Uh, you know, any last-minute checks I need to tell the guys. We kind of go through that. Look at my plan. Um, you know, just kind of uh, get into my relaxed, focus mode and get ready to go out on the field. One other routine question, and then we'll get to our our D-list question, and then we'll get to halftime. Um, and this also comes from a Ask Aaron question. It comes from Gail. Uh, I saw the state of detention commercial for State Farm many times this weekend, and in it, Aaron is mocked for a QB not being a real job. It got me thinking: What is the typical work week of a professional football player? I know we've done this before, but we've added a lot of you know big fans to the program since you promoted at, the, at your locker each week. Um, you know, can you kind of fill us in on what your week is like again? I mean, again, I know you've covered it before, but I think it's worth going back on. Well, you know, I don't really take any days off during the season, um, unless unless you're talking about the bye week. Uh, I'm in here every day, and, and I think it's important um, that a quarterback is is the most prepared guy on the offense, and uh, spend a lot of time on the third level, third floor, which is the coaches the coaches floor, and making sure that we're on the same page, and um, do a lot up there on Fridays. Um, but uh, basically, I mean, you know, Monday we're in here, we work out. Um, we start. Uh, we watch the film from the previous week. We start talking about the next opponent, and then uh, Monday is is a uh, day where I watch a lot of film. Um, so we have these iPod iPads now, and get to take the film home. And uh, it's it's actually been a lot better than the computer they used to give us. Um, it's it's pretty easy to watch the film. Tuesday I come in early and either getting treatment or watching film in here, talking with the coaches. Um, you know, doing doing the radio show and. Then watching more film. Wednesdays and Thursdays are our long days. We're in here about seven, and don't really leave here till about. Uh, you know, Wednesdays I get out of here by about four or so, and then uh, Thursdays later, and then Fridays. And you're here what time? Seven. Seven. Six, yeah. Seven. Okay. At the latest, seven every morning. Yeah. And then Fridays is our short day, so we're in here at seven again, and um, then I, I have other responsibilities. Uh, I have. Um, I I give a little presentation Saturday morning, so I got to get that all done in Friday afternoon. So I usually pre- leave here. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not going to say anything else about it. I have my little presentation to, to whom? To the offense. Okay. Um, 
And that's, Is there that's like PowerPoint I'm, I'm stuff? Not, I'm, not, I'm just going to say I give a presentation and I enjoy it. And it's, it's just for the, there's some stuff that's just for, just for team purposes. Okay. But it's not like stand-up comedy. It's yeah, there's a little bit of that. Oh, there's okay. a little bit of comedy. All right. Yeah, All right. Uh, yeah you got to be able to laugh at yourself. I think that's important. Yeah. And then, uh, so Friday I'm usually out of here in the, uh, in the afternoon at some point. And then Saturday, if we have a home game, we're in here, uh, early and, Work till about midday, and and uh, if we're on the road, then we you're in here till about midday, then we take off. How come you guys have to stay at a hotel the night before a home game? I mean, I know all teams do it. Probably maturity levels. <laughs> no, uh, you know, different coaches uh, have different policies on that. I'd say the majority of guys. I don't know if there's. I mean, I, I you probably could find out, but I think most of the teams probably stay at a hotel. They want to keep guys. From doing anything stupid, or just keep them focused uh, on the game and and get them around each other and thinking about football. And Not have them stay up real late. Some guys actually, you know, would probably uh, prefer to be at the hotel, um, especially with home games. They got a lot of people in town. They want to make sure they get a good night's sleep. But um, me personally, I'd prefer my own my own bed. Okay. Uh, our question just before halftime comes from our friends on the D list, Drew Olson. Uh, kind of has morphed a little bit um, going back to your childhood what is the worst oh Halloween candy of all time maybe maybe what's your favorite what was your favorite that you got in your Halloween trick-or-treat basket and what is the worst candy buttons the popcorn ball those are all uh, on the list the and popcorn ball. you never got a popcorn ball no. not big in Northern California is that like the thing from the movie Gentleman Broncos have you seen that movie? I haven't seen that movie, no. Oh, man. That's that's an interesting movie. Uh, Papa likes that movie. Okay. But, uh, okay, so best would have to be Skittles or Starburst. Anytime you got, like, a bag of Skittles, like, not like the little one, but like an actual bag of Skittles, that was pretty awesome. Uh, so you like the fruits candy? Yeah, but I've always been a, a fan of uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups as well. Okay. The worst, some of the worst candies. I never really liked Tootsie Rolls. Really? I have to admit. Anti Tootsie Roll. I like the flavored Tootsie Rolls kind. Those are good. But the, the regular Tootsie Rolls, when you're a kid, you're kind of like, ah, oh, man, Tootsie Rolls. Come on. But you like the, you, the the flavored ones very popular in our house right now. They're, uh, the flavored they're, ones are good. They're being used as uh, motivational tools for a certain rite of passage for a two and a half year old. Very good. Yeah. So so what's so that's the worst? I mean, there's got to be crummier things than Tootsie Rolls, even if you didn't like them. I mean, there had to be things that you got in your that you just were like, ugh, I'm not eating this, or give it to your brother. Yeah, Tootsie Rolls. Well, all right. Strong opinion on the Tootsie Rolls. Uh, <laughs> during the second half, we'll go inside the helmet. We'll look ahead to the Cardinals, and we'll do your Ask Aaron questions. You are listening to the Aaron Rodgers Show. Talk Packers all day long on 540 ESPN. I like it, Fish. You're sticking with it. It's working. It's been working. Keeping the keeping it on. Live. Although last week was better. It was better, man, wasn't it? I think kind of switched it up. Uh, The Wallflowers are playing tonight in town. Are you a Wallflowers fan? Not really. Okay. A couple songs, maybe. Okay. Well, they're playing tonight. If, if only you're at, not, a, at, the, at, at, at the casino, uh, Meyer Theater. Oh, really? Yeah, I like the Meyer Theater. I know a guy who's seen got some, some tickets. If you want them, seen some good acts there. Saw Brian Regan there. The, He's uh, very funny. Comedian, yeah. Uh, especially his bit on Dora the Explorer, which hit home for us. Um, you know, speaking of things going around town, I thought I'd see you at the Bucks game. The other night, we took the girls. We looked for you. No sign of you. I would have liked to be there. I'm a big. Uh, Big fan of the Bucks, and um, I had uh, some other other things I had to get to. We uh, we did uh, some uh, some various things with our Mac Fund auction this year, and, and one of the uh, the prizes that we auctioned off was uh, a little hangout time at my favorite restaurant um, on Friday night. And uh, got chives, th- chives. Got to thank Al Costigan for uh, his continued support of the Mac Fund. He's been a, a big supporter. Of John Kerry and the Mac Fund and all the amazing kids, uh, Doc Margolis and all the amazing people associated with the Mac Fund and 
uh, he has consistently uh, opened up his wallet and uh, and been a great great supporter of what they're doing. And so it was good to spend a little time with him and his wife and their friends. And um, on that note, I just I got to continue to thank uh, John Kerry and Doc Margolis for the, the amazing job that they do with the Mac Fund. I mean, they're they're all stars in my book. And getting to spend a little more time with John recently, and we're working on a project. Uh, just have the utmost amount of respect for him and the job that he does. And there's so many kids out there who are, and families who are, um, you know, who've been a part of the Mac Fund program, and it's been great to be a, a supporter. And on the same note, as far as the Bucks go, uh, excited about getting down to some games this year. Um, excited about the team. You know, I'm not sure, uh, you know, how it's going to come together, but uh, I think that they have the uh, the pieces in place. And got my man Drew Gooden <laughs> still there, balling. Uh, balling for the West Coast, and uh, I'm excited about getting down. I think they, get, they, they open up uh, this weekend. Now, we know that your Brewers commitment also led to some advertising work, which I got to tell you, now there are some commercials you've done where, and I've been honest with you, I thought they were great, and some where I was like, eh, your Brewers ones were really good. They turned out pretty good, even thought- though they cut the one that I really liked. Which one was I it? can say they had we well we did this thing where Luke Roy and I um, we did a little bit about the talking in, into your mitt on the mound, and I I thought I thought that my kind of simple rewrite of of the the line oh boy you rewrote was good they just cut the whole segment out, but I love doing those the Brewers were excellent it was fun to go to spring training, um, would love to do some bucks that ones. was going to be my question yeah uh, can you shoot it. What? I mean, can you shoot it? I mean, are you a? What kind of game do you have? Can oh the basketball? Yeah, sh- yes. Yeah, I'm I, not putting uh, you behind the camera for the commercials. Yeah, Kevin and I went down to the complex uh, last year. The Cousin Center. Mm, their uh, their practice their facility. Practice facility. Yeah. And I lit them up. <laughs> oh yeah. You can dunk, right? I used to be able to back in my younger days. <laughs> uh, before we get to inside the helmet, there was one other bit of news this week that I wanted to ask you about, and and more in terms of friendships in the locker room. Brett Good, um, following the path of the Ginger Wolverine to Maste, uh, signed a contract extension, and the news didn't break for almost three weeks. Uh, I guess I'm just curious. You know, I know you've gotten to be good buddies with them. You and Charles have a close relationship as leaders of the team. You and Matt Flynn had a good rel- How does friendship get forged in a locker room? I mean, you and Ravel Martin, I think, became really good friends early on in your career. Can you kind of give us – is it like any other workplace where you hit it off with some guys? Uh, what's it like? Yeah, I actually just talked to Rue this morning. It's funny you should mention that. Uh, Great guy. Yeah, I always enjoy my time with Rue, and it's been fun to keep in touch with him and see how Michelle and the girls are doing, and uh, he's doing really good. But uh, – I think it's it's initially formed over, um, you know, the, the time you spend together. You're with these guys, um, you know, the good part of the year and, and spending time in the off-season together uh, here when we're in our off-season program and obviously in training camp when, um, you know, Rue and I were roommates for training camp. And uh, now since he left, Brett Good and I have been roommates. And um, A.J. Hawk and I are close. And, and uh, you know, his wife has always been great about inviting some of the Single guys over for some uh, for some food, and she's an excellent cook. But uh, do you have an Uncle Aaron title over there with uh, the little one? They got another one on the way with so. Lennon. Yeah, um, I don't think she knows my name, so <laughs> not yet. No, <laughs> I'm just the guinea pig for all the desserts that Laura's trying out. But Weren't uh, you up for having uh, James's son named after you? At least the middle name. I was and, trying. I just didn't. That so didn't you're work tight out. with him too, right? You're good buddies with them. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's. It's fun. I think that's that's the thing you're going to take away from the game, and it's it's interesting to see kind of the guys that you do keep in touch with when you're gone, um, because you you just you're impacted uh, by so many guys, and you're around so many different guys, and then a lot of them you know end up leaving, or you end up leaving, and in eight years you can see a lot of people come in and out of the in and out of the doors. There's been hundreds of guys, and it's funny. I got a you know I've been I keep in touch with Mike Riley, who was a quarterback here for just a short amount of time. He's been playing up in the CFL. And uh, we just had a mutual, um, you know, friendship over uh, um, just some funny inside jokes that uh, that that we had between the two of us. And he left here and went to St. Louis and went up to Canadian League, and we've kept in touch. You know, Corey All and I were uh, 
cribbage partners for a long time in the locker room and during training camps and uh, and obviously you know keep in touch with Corey. And- have you talked to him recently? I thought it was really interesting that he because he would have been coming back this week with Arizona mm-hmm. uh, and he hung it up. Yeah. And a lot of guys don't don't do that sort of thing. Like they don't just think about their lives long term and they try and hang on as long as they could. Was that did that come as a surprise to you? If you know the story, not really. Okay. Um, and I don't think you know we need to really get a whole lot into it. But uh, but he's pretty beat up. I mean, that's that's the what yeah. it really really came down to. And uh, him and Jen, you know, got married uh, you know in the last year or so. Um, just I think he was he was ready for uh, you know for his body to feel good you know yeah. again and, and just he was just so beat up. But. But uh, we got a good group of guys, and, and I think I got to give credit to Ted and his staff for the kind of character guys they bring in, and it's always fun to uh, you know to get the new guys in there and kind of see their personalities. I've loved getting to know uh, both Casey Hayward and Sean Richardson. They played with my little brother at Vanderbilt, and yeah. um, just a couple of good guys uh, from the South, and um, it's been fun having having those guys. I really like our rookie class. They're they're uh, you know they they got some real good personalities. Uh, Mike Daniels and Drell Worthy and um, McMillan and these guys just really uh, Nick Perry. They, they, I like their approach to the game and and what they add to the locker room. So it's been fun having those guys around. How does a Northern California kid and a kid from the backwater Arkansas area become so tight? I mean, just uh, we have a lot of we, we like to do a lot of the same thing. We like to play guitar. We like to we like to watch Gold Rush on Discovery Channel. <laughs> uh, you know, we like to like to play cards and. Um, He's just a really down earth guy, and and I've always uh, always appreciated his friendship and and uh, and just the way that he handles himself. He, he's got high character, and and uh, appreciate the way he likes to live his life. You guys got any more uh, coffee shop gigs? No, no. You Did know, you crack- tell that story here? I read it on the, ESPN.com. I think. Yeah, yeah they're cracking down on uh, on some of those coffee shop uh, open mics. I don't know what organization it is, but they're starting to make people charge to play cover songs. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Even if you play them poorly, I guess so. <laughs> let's go inside the helmet. Uh, I only i I wanted to let's talk about Cobb's touchdown first because I thought that was interesting. I know you talked a little bit about it after the game, um, but it looked like you were waiting for Krabby to get open, and it looked like he might have been held, which prevented him from getting open. Take us through that play. Yeah, it was a it was a play that's really for man coverage, uh, but they came out and played. Uh, Played some zone. They had actually two guys out there on Cobby at first, and then when uh, when Tom motioned over, they had kind of three over two over there. Uh, was really trying to extend the play. Um, you know, caught the snap and backpedaled a little bit, and was uh, was kind of helped by the crash of uh, I believe it was Mincy kind of crashing inside there, and so was able to kind of get the edge a little bit. And, and knowing that if I extended the play a little bit, I maybe gave our guys a better chance going against you know because they were outnumbered out there. As I moved to my left, I was kind of looking for Krabby to come back towards the front pylon. He looked like he got held a little bit. Um, and uh, if you look at the replay, uh, Randall makes a great, great second reaction where he kind of uh, uh, the defender's back is to me, and he faces up and fakes inside and comes outside and gives himself some separation. And uh, I saw him at at the right time and was able to uh, take a little bit off of that and and. Uh, give him just enough air to get his feet down. I initially thought he stepped out of bounds. That's what it looked like. Right. Um, but uh, he did a great job of and, getting open there. And, and, what about, out of and what about driver's touchdown? That was a big drive. I mean, you, the game still obviously in doubt there. Big drive. We've You know, I've hit the I've hit drive on that uh, that particular play on a number of touchdowns um, over over the years. And he's uh, he's always been really good at running that route and getting open and, and uh coming out at the right angle. We fit sometimes on a very high angle. Sometimes we fit him on a very flat angle. Um, he did a good job of reading it. He had inside leverage from the start and was just trying to put the ball in an area where he could, uh, he could catch or nobody and actually left it probably a foot inside of where I wanted it, but he, he did a nice job of, uh, of holding on for the catch and turned out to be the the uh, deciding score. Uh, and then the last play, you weren't actually in for it. But I wanted to ask you about the fake field goal and the throw by your guy Ginge, uh, Tim Masta. He he no longer trail. He no longer has the advantage in uh, quarterback rating over you now. That incomplete. No, he does. He does. He still has yeah, it. Yeah, he still got it. It's no longer perfect. That's what it is. Yeah, it's not. Um, but you watched that. How did you? Uh, how did you see that unfold? Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't really have. 
a lot of other comments to say other than it was uh it's pretty bad it was uh you know uh, the comedy and you can find comedy after you you win a game like that but the comedy is that i think there was an expectation on the on Sean's side, Sean Slocum, that uh, the Ginger's going to be able to read out the read it out and and throw it to the open guy. When in practice, really, you know, you're throwing to one guy back on the right side, either the post or the the guy right. around the corner route. Um, and Ryan Taylor, of course, you know, comes back and says he's wide open and shows us he showed us the film in the locker room yesterday. And look, I was wide open. Come on, you know. But it's like, come on. And he, Tim is a very good punter. He punts. That's what he gets paid to do. He doesn't get paid to to read out a defense when they're playing. You know, he was beating Tampa himself up. He said like he should have read that it was cover two, and he was expecting I, you know, I man. Think, I think he was rattled that uh, when they ran to play in practice on Friday, I came out of nowhere and picked it off. <laughs> no. Which I did. It's all your fault. And I did. Kind of got in his head a little bit. All right, let's look ahead to the Cardinals. Uh, we mentioned this earlier. The the last time you played a meaningful game against these guys, it was a tough one. Um, does that when you see those uniforms again, when you play them, I know you played them in preseason, whatever. But does it does that do the memories stir, or are they no. way in the back? No, no. To get over that one as quickly as you said you got over the Giants one. Yeah, I mean it was it was frustrating, but um, no, I don't really think about it anymore. I mean, there's there's not many guys from that team, that defense that are that are still playing. Now they still have Darnell and and Calais, but. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of different faces over there. Kurt Warner's not playing quarterback anymore for him, right. so there's a different team. That was a tough loss, but um, you know I, I've gotten to know Coach Wisenhunt over the years. He's played uh, played in the Tahoe event a couple times. I have a lot of respect for him and enjoy enjoy our conversations. And um, you know, know some of the players. Paris Lennon was here in '05, and I've gotten to know Kerry Rhodes over the years, and Adrian from the Pro Bowl and. Um, it's a very good team, very good defense, um, a lot of pride. Got no Larry. Larry's uh, Larry's a buddy in the league, and, and he's one of the top guys, obviously, at his position. And It's going to be a good test for us. They're coming in, uh, I believe, with four straight losses. Yeah, four and four now. After knowing, four that, uh, you know, knowing that this is going to be an important game for, uh, you know, potential playoffs down the line and, and them getting back in the race in the West. So they have a lot of pride, and, and they're going to come in and give us their best shot. That uh, that playoff game, that was a heck of a game, though. I mean, was it a fun game to play in? It was a fun game. The there was a lot of momentum swings and a lot of crazy things happened in that game. And uh, it was fun to uh, get back in it. Still hurts. You know, a couple of those plays still really hurt when you think about it. But, right. uh, you know, just wasn't, wasn't meant to be. Get J. Mike playing like that, like he did in that game. God, he was great in that one, wasn't he? He was. Um when when a team loses four in a row after winning four in a row, do you get anything from last week and make sure that there's not whatever it might have been last week, this week? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think last week was a, two days ago was a good learning experience for okay. us. And, and um, it'll be interesting to see because the schedule is kind of favoring us right now. We're, they're coming off a short week. They're playing a tough opponent. they got to travel out to here. The weather's probably going to be cold. Um, we'll see how that affects, uh, you know, affects them, especially starting at noon. Um, you know, I'm not sure what their personnel is going to be like. We'll find out tomorrow who's injured, who's healthy, and right. um, that might that might go in our favor a little bit. But I think last week we learned that we gotta we gotta be self starters and we gotta get the crowd involved with uh, with our you know big plays and making plays, and and we can't wait for uh, a team to lay down because. Uh, the good teams aren't going to lay down. Uh, let's get to your Ask Aaron questions. Use the hashtag AskAaron on Twitter or email them. Uh, two restaurant-related questions. I think this one's more meant as a joke. Mike says, if you sit behind us again at Chives and I drop another $150 to listen to my wife melt over you, will you pick up the tab? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ken asks, I had dinner at 8.12 last night. I went with the pasta of the day. It had some spice to it, and I enjoyed it very much. But should I have gone with the beef brisket, which was my second option? Now you guys have something planned at eight twelve. You and Omar and Ryan are working on something for the the victims of the the spa shooting. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, you know, O thought it'd be a, a great idea to help out. I mean, and it's a no brainer for uh, for Ryan and I to be on board with this. You know, 
the opportunity to have a, a restaurant in Brookside has been great, and the and the response has been great, and the people there have been great. Um, but we can't expect to you know to make money and 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 have our restaurant in in Brookside without being invested. What Brookfield? Brookfield. What did I say? Brookside? Is that no. a California city? That's no. That's where it's. Uh, I'm not going to say what Brookside is. What am I saying? Brookfield. Yeah. Um, I can tell you what that's on my mind, but uh, off the air. <laughs> but you know, we've had our restaurant in Brookfield now, and and uh, we can't expect to make money in Brookfield without being invested in the community. And so it's important to uh, to come alongside the victims of a, a serious tragedy. And um, talking to some of the media people uh, in Milwaukee and and, uh, and Kev, who was actually, Kevin was in the area, it was a scary time yeah. down in Brookfield, not knowing... What was going on during your game? Yeah, not knowing where the guy was and what was going on. And um, we're just... Uh, any way we can help out the people down there in Brookfield, we're going to... and. Uh, and we're, you know, very happy with the partnership, and, and Omar has been great, and, and uh, looking forward to that event. Question comes from Josh. I just want to know why Aaron holds the ball so long. He needs to get that thing out of there. Next. Uh, can I ask you a follow-up to that, though? When people do say that, and I know, Josh, your right tackle is ki- or right guard is kidding, but when you do hold on to the ball, and you're trying to make something happen, is there, you know, we joke about that 2.5-second clock, but how long do you have before it gets dangerous for you? Because you've made a hell of a lot of plays doing that over your career. Is there is there risk involved, not for a sack, but getting rocked when you've got the ball for as long as you have? Yeah, the getting rocked was a personal decision to take the ball past the line of scrimmage. Um you know, it's it's a feel thing. It's it's got to be uh, it's got to be feeling right for me to to deliver it on time, and, and it's got to be feeling right for me to to hold on to it. So, I got to trust my instincts and trust the way that I've played for the last five years, and going to continue to do that. And and uh, obviously, you don't want to take any sacks, especially you don't want to take any any Elvis sacks, as we call them, where you're kind of getting stopped for that. You know, zero or Minus a half yard or minus one yard sack. And why do they call them Elvis sacks? Elvis Gerback had like I don't know how many of them. I guess in Kansas City one year, where he either ran out of bounds, like a you know at the line of scrimmage, which is a sack, or just slightly behind the line of scrimmage. And I guess that was the term that was used. Um, so that's a Mike McCarthy term because it comes from Kansas City. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's let's move on to Daniel. Uh, he says, we know you have a freakish total recall when it comes to plays, but does that extend to everything else? Well, two yeah. professors at Cal, but what else? Birthdays, important, important, important days in our family's, you know, life or history or um, remembering little details. My my buddy's from Oregon because I lived up in Portland for a few years when I was growing up, and and they're amazed by the things that I can remember, the, the things that probably weren't very important to them. Really? But, but at that point in my life, 5th, 6th, 7th grade, um, you know, some of the games that we had, we had a really good AU basketball team that uh, was able to win a state championship in my 6th grade year, and and uh, I had a real good team my 7th grade year, and our baseball team, you know, we won the championship in, in our majors both years, and just some of the recall on... on you know, stats from the games or how a game win or scores, they always, I think it's kind of like, how do, why do you remember that? Yeah. But uh, at some point, like like I, I've been telling Kev, at some point I'd, I'd like to be, uh, with all the random information I have in my head, I'd like to be on, I'd like to be on Jeopardy. That's kind of on my bucket list right there. <laughs> Not sure how I would do. Maybe I should do the Celebrity Jeopardy, but... You know, then you you got Cheech on there, who's really really good. And he, you know, and I think they filmed during the season, so it might have to be. So wait, so you think you could you could hold your own on Jeopardy, Jeopardy? Not I don't know grading about that. On the curve. If, not, I don't know about that, but but I, I, I Celebrity Jeopardy, I think I could do pretty good. I once thought I was on a really good roll watching it, and then I realized that it was like the one for high schoolers. Yeah, I mean, as long as. Turd Ferguson wasn't in there, you know, against me. I think I do okay. That's a that's a SNL. You wouldn't understand that joke, but you're right. I missed it. Um, two weather related ones uh, uh, coming off of obviously the superstorm. Mindy says I survived superstorm Sandy here in central Pennsylvania last night. Have you ever had to deal with any sort of extreme weather event? And then Jill asks, what are the worst weather conditions you've played in? So two little kind of different ones based on weather. Yeah, when I, actually when we lived in Oregon, we had uh, 
uh, 80 mile an hour winds that were blowing down trees and cutting power and um, and 80 mile an hour winds followed by a few weeks after that uh, some crazy ice storms and that was our first year we lived in Oregon and I think we were all thinking what in the heck did we get into up here but bad news uh, on the llama farm yeah we actually weren't at the llama farm at that point but uh, that was in the summertime oh, okay. good sort of nice try uh, worst weather that I've played I've played a baseball game in hail before uh, football. Um, I don't know. I, the extreme cold and, and the wind is the worst. 07 at Chicago was really bad. 08 at Chicago was absolutely miserable at times. Um, 07, I wasn't on the field, thankfully. I was on the sideline. It was blowing so hard and it was freezing. That was more cold than 08, but 08 I was on the field, and it was. I think they flashed at one point minus 15 or something on the scoreboard. Yeah. That was really cold. Uh, 07 NFC Championship, which was actually January of 08, was brutal on the sidelines. Uh, what else is that? I mean, we've been pretty fortunate. The, the worst would be bad winds. The second worst would be rain. And then the third worst would be uh, snow. Hey, speaking of 07 and your recall, what do you remember from that Dallas game? I mean, do you can you pick out plays from that game? Oh, yeah. Two? Oh, yeah. Give me an inside the helmet from that game. Give me a play that... We had a third down early on. We ran uh, empty spray right, uh, scat two, arrow, zebra cross, wide post. I love that play. Yeah, it's a great play. (laughs) It is a great play. And the protection was inside, and they actually brought Roy Williams, who was playing the dime, off the slot. And uh, thankfully, he ran into one of the D linemen to his side. It was either... Uh, Spencer or Jay Ratliff, and because I raised up and throw it hot right now to the to the zebra, was able to reset back and hit actually hit Donald um, to give us like our first first down, and that's when I kind of was able to settle in after that, um, hit Greg on uh, on a little pivot route for my first touchdown ever, and that was uh, in a in a professional game, and that was right. pretty. Pretty exciting. Remember feeling feeling good about the rhythm we had. Remember hitting D Lee on an extended play where he had it was a fox too. Where he had like a corner route and kind of came back around in the middle of the field. And um, also remember missing uh, missing Greg on a slant and go on the backside. That would have been nice to hit. But yeah, I felt I felt pretty good that game. You're you're scary. You know that, right? I yeah. mean, you're just weird. And I had sweet hair. I don't know, the thing I remember is at one point the hair was in my face. It was in my eyes. I was having a hard time seeing there for a second. Really? Yeah, I had to readjust the skull cap I was wearing. Was that before or after there was a big erroneous story that you'd gotten your hair cut because you were getting married or something? Remember that when you had the long hair? and I think that was in 08. Like family friend yeah, yeah. that yeah. was getting married? Yeah, that was in 08. Uh, a couple more before we run out of time. Uh, Tina says, you, you said you were a fan of Pearl Jam. What is your favorite Pearl Jam song, and do you play any? Last Kiss and Better Man. Okay, now, can you play? No, I, I, I can play Last Kiss. Yeah. Okay. Uh, two more. One from Nick. Uh, do, you, do you and your teammates prefer the Reebok or Nike uniforms? Now, Nike, re- of course. Of course you do. Yeah, you're a Nike guy. But is there a di- uh, I wanted to use there's that. Definitely a, there's, there's definitely a difference. Because it's, you love more those comfortable. pants, those throwback pants. So you're a connoisseur of these outfits. I don't know if there's a correlation there. I'm well, missing the correlation. The correlation is that you know the difference in what you're wearing. Like you can. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, the Nike is actually a lot more comfortable. And, really? And the areas where it shows up the most is in our daily wear. Because all the stuff that we wear now is Nike. So all of our, our short sleeve workout shirts, our long sleeve shirts that we wear, our sweatsuits, it's all more comfortable. Uh, because of the Nike Nike product, and it's all in a dry fit or whatever that is. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, and then the final question for this week comes from Hank. I think it's a really good question. We're at the midpoint of the season. What's your favorite moment of the year so far? It's tough. That's uh... now do your least favorite moment of the year so far first. No, I don't. I don't like to be negative like you on this show. It's got <laughs> to, you know, it's got to be Houston. It's got to be. Uh, it's got to be that night. That was a special night, and that kind of I think told all of us that uh, we still did have something special here, and we can still accomplish all the goals that we talk about in training camp, and and that uh, you know that we that we had on the plate there. So that that was a special night for us. Only a couple weeks ago, and 
Um, what I'd say, in, you know, following that is that um, anyone who's ever been on a sports team and traveled to another place to play knows the excitement and that that feeling when you're coming back from that road game. Yeah. And just uh, there's just a special feeling about that. So the plane rides after road games are always the sweetest. Uh, it's just like the bus rides when I was a freshman in high school and and Coach Pitt, who I loved, um, you know, Coach. Anytime we lost on the road, it was like deathly quiet. Right. But when we won, and we won a couple times, I can to this day remember Kyle Lewis singing Build Me Up Buttercup at the top of his lungs and getting us all in on it. And just those are some of the, the most fun times uh, that we can have. I mean, Butte College, we, we drove the bus everywhere. We had, you know, just some, some really fun trips back from places, and it's no different in the NFL. When you win on the road, uh, it's a special feeling getting on that plane and, um, and enjoying that win with your teammates. Well, more special moments sure to be had in the second half of the season, which kicks off, I suppose it's technically, it's the midpoint because of the number of games, but you guys kind of view the bye yeah. as your midpoint, right? So you got one more to go against Arizona on Sunday at noon, and then it'll be the bye week. Will you be in an undisclosed location for next week's show? Do we know what the Potentially, yes. Okay. Well, I look forward to talking to you on the phone. If that turns out to be the case, we will break down the Packers Cardinals game, look ahead to the bye week, and still do your Ask Aaron questions next week. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Aaron Rodgers Show.